You heard about this new medication? It's called Lufatarg, and it's a game changer. So what makes this medication so great? Well, for starters, Lufatarg increases happiness by 25%, reduces stress, increases energy levels, improves sleep quality and sleep duration. Not only that, it reduces blood pressure, strengthens your immune system, lessens chronic pain, increases self-esteem, reduces depressive symptoms, improves decision-making, strengthens resiliency, and increases a person's overall positivity and productivity. <sighs> Impressive, right? It is. Lufatarg is a wonder drug. Now you might be saying, all right, pal, get to that lengthy list of horrifying side effects that those medication commercials always end with. The ones that go, taking this medication is known to increase the risk of death or stroke. Other side effects include new or worsening depression, nightmares, difficulty breathing, panic attacks, paranoia, and increased risk of suicidal thoughts and behaviors. But get this, Lufatarg doesn't have any of those side effects. In fact, clinical trials have proven that taking Lufatarg has no negative side effects whatsoever. The dosage for Lufatarg is once or twice a day, but studies have shown that taking it only once a week will improve your life. Now, after hearing all those benefits, you might be thinking that the price tag for Lufatarg, well, it must be astronomical. Well, I've got some good news on that front. Lufatarg is affordable for all people, and its affordability comes in the form of free. You heard me right. Lufatarg is free, absolutely free. All right. So I imagine at some point during that sales pitch that you realize that there is no way I could be talking about an actual prescription medication. And you would be correct. That intro, that sales pitch was an entirely accurate description of the benefits, side effects, effective dosage, and dollar amount of something known as gratitude. I came up with the name Lufatarg by spelling the word grateful backwards. I thought it sounded like a medication that some Scandinavian scientist may have created, but I digress. So yeah, gratitude is a wonder drug, and it seems to be the secret sauce of life. However, if you're anything like me, gratitude is something that you often forget to practice. But when you consider the countless benefits, cost, and ease of use, why is it that so many of us forget to practice gratitude? Well, I see three main reasons for this. The first reason is that our brains have a built-in bias for negativity. The second reason is how gratitude is first introduced to most people and its continued subpar promotional campaign. Finally, the third reason is because most people don't make the practice of gratitude a habit. And when I close this episode, I will be sharing a science-backed way to make gratitude a habit. Okay, so jumping in. Reason one, our brain's negativity bias. Negativity bias is the human tendency to pay way more attention to the bad, to the negative in our lives, than we do the good. This negativity bias is a result of evolution. For the vast majority of human history, paying special close attention to the negative was a necessity in order to survive. For our early ancestors, the negative would often come in the form of things that were truly dangerous, things that were literally a matter of life and death. So this negativity bias was an adaptive quality. And because those who had a strong negativity bias were more likely to survive, anyone listening to this is likely the descendant of people with a proclivity for paying way more attention to the bad than they did the good. As the psychologist Rick Hansen says, the mind is like Velcro for negative experiences and Teflon for positive ones. And before you get too bummed out about this depressing default mode, there's good news. The field of neuroscience has discovered that we can actually overcome this negativity bias. 
we now know that there are specific practices that can rewire our brain to make it more like Velcro for the positive and Teflon for the negative. And it just so happens that one of these main practices is, yeah, you may have guessed it, Lufatarg. Sorry about that. I, I just really like saying that word for some reason. But yes, gratitude is one of the main ways we can overcome this negativity bias. All right, on to reason two, which is how most of us were first introduced to the importance of gratitude and how it continues to be brought up and talked about. So for that introduction part, I'm going to ask you to travel back into your childhood for a moment and ask the question, did your introduction to gratitude come in the form of a should? What I mean by that is, did your parents or maybe another adult of authority introduce you to the idea of gratitude by telling you that you should be grateful? My childhood version of this introduction via a should arrived at the dinner table when I would complain about having to eat broccoli, beer cheese soup, or meatloaf. And then those complaints would be met with a sermon from my parents about how there are kids literally starving in Africa. And because of that, I should be grateful. Maybe you received a similar lecture that served as an introduction to gratitude. A quick important note here. My parents were right. I should have been more grateful. And yeah, there were starving kids in Africa that would have loved to switch places with me, even if it meant taking three more big bites of that meatloaf. The point I'm trying to make is that a should isn't the best way to introduce or sell the practice of gratitude. When you think about it, these should introductions, they aren't really even a promotion of gratitude. They're designed and delivered as a way to criticize, to judge, and to point out that someone is acting entitled, being ungrateful, maybe even selfish. But when advice arrives with a should, most people's natural tendency will be to get defensive and then to think about or to share all the reasons why they aren't doing the thing that someone else believes they should be. I like to say that being on the receiving end of a should will leave a shoddy taste in your mouth. When you think about it, the should can shame. And the practice of gratitude deserves better. We need to be talking about it in the same way that we do exercise, by focusing on all the research-backed benefits of it. Gratitude deserves the proper and positive promotional campaign as a could and not a should. That campaign could sound a bit like this. All right, here goes. You sitting there, do you want to be happier? Do you want to be more productive, positive, and popular? Would you like better sleep, more energy, and experience less stress? If you answered yes to any of those questions, then try gratitude. Gratitude can deliver all that and more. All right, sorry about that. Not doing that voice was fun. But, but now into the third and final reason I want to get into for why so many people underutilize or forget to be grateful. And that is, we don't make it a habit. To get into this, I've got a bit of a hot take here. I think the human tendency to commit things to memory through rhyming is partly to blame for this one. I'm sure you're familiar with the phrase, an attitude of gratitude. And heard things like, gratitude is the best attitude. Or, our favorite attitude should be gratitude. Or maybe even you've heard the, the triple rhyme rendition of this message that goes, your gratitude attitude determines your life's altitude. All right, because these things rhyme, they are easy to remember and recite. They're concise and catchy, but I don't think they communicate a helpful or even accurate description of gratitude. 
When you Google the definition of attitude, you'll see at the very top, attitude, noun, a settled way of thinking or feeling about someone or something. And it's that settled part that's the issue. I don't think anyone, like on earth, has a settled or set permanent attitude of gratitude. To the extent that I think it's safe to say if anyone has ever told you that gratitude is their only attitude, that person was lying. And I think this rhyme thing, in part, contributes to many people's infrequent use of gratitude. Because if you believe that gratitude is best described as an attitude, in that it's a, a settled, set perspective that some people just walk around with 24-7, if that's how you see it, you're likely to think, well, shoot, unfortunately, that is not a personality trait of mine. Turns out I must not have inherited that gratitude gene. Due to our love of rhyme and how it helps to remember things, I really wish the word for gratitude was instead practice to convey that it's a practice or that it was called routine so we could remember to make it a part of our routine. Or maybe it would be best if it was named grab it so it's understood that it's within everybody's reach and that grab it is actually, yeah, a habit. Okay, so I think you get the point. And if you agree that gratitude is more a practice than it is an attitude, and you want to experience all the goodies that gratitude provides, here's how you can make it a habit. To have some fun with this how, think about the why of brushing your teeth. If you're like most people, you probably don't brush your teeth because you just feel like doing it. It's likely not a, a spontaneous idea or urge that just pops up in your head randomly throughout the day. What's the case for most people is that they brush their teeth because they've made it a habit. It has become a part of their daily routine. And you can use the same science of habits that results in daily brushing to make the practice of gratitude a habit as well. In general, the average person will brush their teeth in the same location around the same time every day, and it's a part of a sequence that makes up their daily routine. So if you want to make gratitude a habit, use those same three cues of time, location, and sequence to make it a habit. Decide when and where you'll be practicing gratitude, and then slip it into a sequence of events that has already become habitual. The science of habits shows us that on average, it takes 66 days to create a habit. But here's the good news. If you use those three habit cues of time, location, and sequence, you will be able to shave several weeks off that two-month marker. And if you can't think of how you're going to slip in gratitude into your busy schedule, here's an idea. Practice gratitude while you brush your teeth. That way, the when, the where, and the sequence is already provided. But that's just one idea about the how of practicing gratitude. As you're all likely to know, there are a multitude of ways to practice gratitude. You can write them down, say them out loud, visualize them, or use an app on your phone. But whatever you do, I encourage you not to focus too much on picking the perfect how, but instead focus on frequency. Pick a practice that you can realistically see yourself doing every single day. To close, while preparing for this episode, I was inspired by all those catchy quotes that rhyme and came up with this. Here goes. Gratitude is an attitude. Well, that's a misguided platitude. Gratitude is actually a practice. And it's a practice that can become a habit. Because when you focus on repetition, gratitude can and will 
become a daily tradition. <laughs> <laughs>